Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited for this one, and I just want to do a little nod to the fact that 10 years ago, as of February 6th, which happened to be last week, I missed the date completely in my head. I mixed up the start of my blog with the start of the podcast, and I uh, thought it was the 9th, but it was actually the 6th of February, 2014, was the very first time I recorded a podcast and aired it on iTunes and Apple and that, the rest is history. So it's been a decade of sharing. For anyone that has been along the ride for the last 10 years, hello. <laughs> We've aged a decade <laughs> the amount of time that's transpired. And back in the day when I did this whole podcasting thing, blogging was definitely the name of the game at that point in time. And I was pivoting earlier than the majority of people at that point in time. And so actually in the introduction, I used to call this a blog cast because I was trying to figure out how could I talk blog readers into listening to something. So I was like, well, if they're used to reading blogs, maybe I can say blog cast and get them to come over and listen. So this is the, you know, in the days, I think it was even before Serial even started. So yeah, anyways, long time ago, but here we are. How many eras, seasons, names, lifetimes has it been? And if you go back and listen, if you want to hear something really funny, just go listen to episode number one and listen to my voice alone. It's so funny. I sound like a chipmunk. So it is definitely, if you go back to those older episodes, a great way of seeing that people improve as you get to do something and practice it over and over again. So if you're thinking about doing a podcast or a blog or I don't know, get creative and do something different or new, learn a new skill, and you might be worried that you're not going to be very good when you get started, please don't get that obsessed with it because if you just do your best and you just keep improving as you go, I do think that there is a lot of improvement that can happen and I am a living proof of it when I listen to it. Now I just laugh and laugh and laugh um, at that first episode and how I sounded for many, many, you know, hundreds of episodes. We're now 400 deep into the show. So it has been a lot of time and a lot of practice. So I guess that's a nice little reminder for anyone that's um, thinking about starting something but worried they may not be very good when they begin. You will improve. And the best thing I can say for any podcasting potential people out there is to listen to your own show. I do myself, as I've shared, and I get so much out of it in terms of how to be a better speaker, teacher, presenter, etc. And even on that note, like I even have some of my own notes for the last, the last series we've been doing, the pod class. Of course, I'm getting new to teaching in a podcast form. That's not something that I previously practiced, but I do want to get better at bringing things to you guys in a more succinct way than I have. So sorry for that, but also doing my best to listen, learn, and improve as I go along. I will still do a final pod class, the Friendly Unknown follow-up session to share with you guys and wrap that whole series up in the coming weeks. But I wanted to today take a little sidestep and do a very seemingly long and overdue episode, which is the story about how I got the visa and most importantly, what most people want to know, how I got my flat and the flow diary. So this is a flow diary style of episode. I'm very excited to share all the details that went into this. Everybody wanted to know back in October when I got the flat, but I felt like it wasn't really ready to be shared until 
now. Like this is the time. It took four months longer than I would have mentally wanted it to take, but now it's the time to share all of that. And before I do so, I just wanna share also, I have been taking a little pause from teaching online classes for the last few months, just because I taught so many classes last year and it was so much fun, but I wanted to give everybody a little bit of time to be with themselves, to go within, to you know live their lives, etc. And in the last few weeks, I've been asking for what the community would like to have next in terms of supportive content and classes, where I get to work with people in group context, hot seating, you name it, all that good stuff. And there's two class suggestions that were so strong that I've decided to offer both. So you can do the bundle if you're really curious about both of them, or if your intuition feels one of them's a fit, by all means, you're welcome to join us. We're going to kick off expanding alignment, which was definitely, I would say the number one recommended and excited for class for the community at large. Everybody was looking for a class that's about four weeks long. So that's what it'll be. It'll be on Sundays starting February 25th. And the whole idea of this class is basically how to expand your sense of alignment and practice of alignment alignment, which I'm so excited for this class because in last year, I started to really notice more than ever before that when you guys pick a class topic or even I pick a class topic, let's say like the friendly unknown, (laughs) oh my goodness, do I have to deal with the friendly unknown in myself in order to know it and share it and and walk the walk next to you guys. So I started to joke. I also did that victim victimizer class last year called Empowered, an amazing class and a truly, really important one for everyone that is ready to look at that part of themselves and to stop being on the pendulum of victim victimizer. Everyone to some degree is on it, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. But once you catch that conscious awareness of, oh my gosh, these little patterns that I didn't totally recognize could be victim victimizer related and I can change that. It's a really empowering thing, but it's also sobering because you got to kind of look at these pieces of your psyche that your mind often doesn't necessarily want to look at. And so I had a few experiences that were coming up for me to look at, obviously within myself as well as we were doing that class. So I'm so excited because I started to realize I want people to like do really happy things. like expanding alignment, because I want to be able to get really, really good and have really, really fun things happen to me as I get into and teach this class with you guys. So I'm really excited. The alignment class, let's do, and it's not really a class where it's teaching per se. It's more going to be one of those experimental 30 days where you guys actually hold some different belief systems. We test in workshop and practice in your real life experiences, what it's like when we shift some patterns and behaviors towards alignment to see what happens. Does your life fall apart? Does it come together? Do manifesting, you know, things happen even easier or not? Let's find out. Let's workshop this. Let's play with this. Let's actually live this out. So that's going to be the group experience. So many different ways to help you elevate and expand your alignment from whatever practices you've been doing before or maybe haven't even done yet. Let's try that. Let's grow into a a state of suspended mental belief systems to practice living the truest alignment from within ourselves and see what happens from there. So, so excited for that one. That's like, I've already seen that starting to happen in my own life as this class is coming into my awareness for teaching and expression. And I'm like, ooh, this is cool. This is cool. And I'm loving it because I'm getting the benefit of all the alignment myself. So very excited for that one and hot seating with everybody as usual. 
on Sundays. Then on February 27th, this will be a Tuesday sessions. This will be a six week long class. The other one that you guys asked for was aligned business. Now aligned business is going to be slightly different than any other business content I've ever taught before. This one's going to be helping you completely for the six weeks shift from your mind being the CEO of your business to your inner voice being the CEO. So basically how can you live your business through your inner voice as close to 100% as possible. This came from the community as well. People were looking for this. And it's something that I've been doing, I would say, at least... 92 to 95% of the time within myself for many, many, many years. So I've got a lot of practice with it, but living it 100%, living it to that next little edge, those last like eight to 5% that even my mind might still be in charge um, has been really fun. Even just knowing this class is gonna happen, I've been really looking at those little pieces even in myself that I still have some holding out of the mind being in charge. And it's been so fun. One of the things actually, for example, on this one, I had in my mind, and it wasn't because I was listening to my CEO being my inner voice, I wasn't doing anything, was I've had these classes in mind to do and originally thought I would do them starting next week. And that was the original mental idea. But my intuition didn't want to write the sales pages. It didn't want to get going on it. And my mind throughout the last few weeks has felt very uncomfortable about that. But at the same time, the discomfort in my mind doesn't mean I act on it. It just means the mind can be uncomfortable. There could be a beanbag or two. Usually for me, it's so clear that it's not really a beanbag. It's just the thoughts are like little mosquitoes buzzing around, but nothing really happens from them. But it got so uncomfortable recently. I actually inner voiced and wrote to my inner voice this morning about it and said, what up inner voice? Like, why are we pushing this now? It's been so delayed because you haven't wanted to do anything yet that we're going to now have to push the dates. And my inner voice said, this is about the timing of the community itself and aligning to them, not to you. So you in your head have this thought of when you should be teaching the class, but we're aligning to the timing that's right for the people that are going to take the class. So whoever's listening to this and ends up joining, I'm very curious to find out if starting on February 25th for Expanding Alignment and February 27th for Aligned Business does serve you well because I'm very curious to find out. You know, I didn't know that mentally until I asked my inner voice, but that's a great example of a classic type of thing that I want to be working with the people in aligned business to sit there in that, you know, mental discomfort, but then ultimately find that inner voice clarity of why the inner voice would, for example, maybe want to launch something a little differently than the timing that your mind might suggest. So like I said, you can go over to either class or join both if you want to and do have us uh, twice a week or just once a week if you're if you're calling to it. Um, you can go to bellalively.com slash expanding alignment or bellalively.com slash aligned business and sign up if they feel like a fit. All right, now let's Let's get into the visa and the flat. The episode that is most, this has been going on, honestly, now that I think about it, for an entire year. This episode is a Flow Diaries, essentially, of a year. I left Portugal in 2022 in the summer, and I loved being in London that summer so much, and I was ready to leave Portugal. And I the first thought was, okay, it'll either be London or Australia. If I can get a visa for Australia, maybe that's always been my overall preference between the two. So maybe I'll go there. So I went in the winter, November, December, January to Australia, New Zealand, as you might remember, if you've been following for a while. And while I was there, I just, I loved it, but I didn't have the same sense of joy and connectedness and 
I don't know, stability and sparkle, I guess, in Australia as I felt the summer in London. And even Jess in Detroit, you guys hear on the show sometimes, she even she called it right away. She said, I have a feeling you're going to go back to London. Um, while I was in the early few weeks of, of Sydney, she's like, I have a feeling you were happier in London and you're going to end up being back there. So she was right. I ended up coming back in February of last year. I think it was something like February 4th. I don't remember exactly the day, but it's something early February was when I came back and I was like, all right, gonna get a visa, gonna get a flat. Let's do it, London. Now, London is the, this is the third attempt to move to London if you've been listening to the show over the last 10 years and all those travel years. There's been two other points where I almost moved to London, but my inner voice pivoted me out of the choice to move to London. And one of them was to get a flat in Detroit in a penthouse, which I had zero interest in living in Detroit at the time, but my intuition like handed me this property on like the silver platter. So I said, I'll only do this if this flows exactly perfectly. And guess what? It flowed exactly perfectly, so perfectly that I had no reason not to do it. It was as perfect to buy and sell that property in Detroit as it was to sell the house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, oh, so many years ago in 2016. So that whole thing that changed my entire life was the sale of my house and my furniture. And then I was suddenly homeless traveling the world. That fell into place outrageously magically. If I actually, I'm sure I've done an episode about it, but if you guys want me to do a new episode where I tell that story again, because I don't even know where you'd find that in the episode archive now, but it's a really, really talk about flow diaries. It's the most pivotal and magical aligned set of experiences I've ever, ever, ever experienced and almost ever heard anyone share about. It was so planned by my soul. I think that there was no way all of that could have come together. And there's no way I would have started traveling the world unless all of that came together the way it did. Well, the Detroit property in 2018 happened in a you know less generally sparkly way, but definitely did happen in a pretty magical way too. So I didn't end up coming then. Then again, in 2020, I came back to London to get a visa, but two people said on the same day, um, like on day 15 of being in London, you know, the easiest visa to get in in Europe is Portugal. And I'd already thought about Portugal in 2016. So then in 2020, I just thought as the weather was getting cold in August, (laughs) okay, you know what? I've been really loving the beach life after Hawaii and Bali and Australia and all those places. Why don't I go over to Portugal? So I did that. But this third time, Last year was the time where I was like, nope, this is going to be my attempt to get a visa again. And at first, I had to look into what types of visas. So I was very innocent in my times in Australia as far as a visa getting and what that looks like. If you have a normal job and get sponsored by a company, that's a pretty straightforward path. Of course, you have to have a company that's going to sponsor you, et cetera. For a lot of different countries, that was I've looked into business uh, visas and so forth. I've never obviously had a partner that would give me a partner visa to travel somewhere else. So it's always been on my career to give me that granting. Portugal is a little bit different. They had a slightly different set of criteria, which was more vague, general, and easy for me to get. But being the career that I have and working for myself, Australia and the UK, you know, you have to find the right fit for what I do. Um, I can't just say, oh, I teach intuition online and just necessarily get a visa. So I had to find a way. And at first it didn't really look like, you know, even I talked to a first person, I just Googled for um, different lawyers and visa agents that are specializing in this kind of material, like I did in Australia, but did it in the UK. And at first someone was like, nope, sorry, I can't help you unless you work for a company. Uh, You know, I can't really think of anything that's gonna work 
for you? And my inner voice said, no, no, you don't have to work for a company. You don't have to get that sponsorship thing. Um, just keep going, but don't, don't listen to that guy either. And it was funny because my inner voice started as I would inner voice with it. Of course, I did a lot of inner voicing with it. It started to say the word he, 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 as far as the visa agent would go. And I had didn't know who I was going to work with yet, but I just found it so funny that I knew it was a he <laughs> from my inner voice, always saying the word he. And it didn't tell me how to find he. It just said he. So I would hear this he and I was like, okay, there's some guy that's going to work with me. And whenever I'd have an appointment with an agency and I get paired with a woman, it was funny because I don't care who helps with my visa. I just want it done. I've had visa agents that are male and female over the years in Australia, et cetera, and, and in Portugal too. So it doesn't matter the sex of the person, but I was always kind of curious to see when I would talk to someone if it was a he, because maybe this he was going to be the he my inner voice was talking about. Well, talk about some magical flow. So one day I'm out with, I did get an agency that gave me a quote of 15,000 pounds to help me get a visa using my own company as the pathway. 15,000 pounds to just do the visa work. I don't even know if that counted the thousands of pounds to do the actual application process or just their services alone. I can't even recall, but that was last year. I spoke to them, but there was a woman that I was speaking to at that time. So I was like, hmm, I don't know if it's going to be her um, and I don't know what's going to happen, but they said, come back to us in a few months. Don't worry about it right now. Uh, you're fine. By the way, so in case you're curious, like the UK has, a, because of Brexit, they have a different rule for visas than uh, as, as a tourist than the EU. In the past, when they were part of the EU, it was the Schengen rules, which was 90 days in the country at a time. You had to be 90 days or less, and you could only do 180 days of a year. And now that the UK Brexit has occurred, you can actually stay in the UK up to six months at a time, and you just have to leave within 180 days. So it's a diff, and there's no total number of days a year that you're limited to or maxed to. So that was very different rules. So they were just like, relax, like, don't worry about it right now. Come back to us in a two months and we'll, we'll get started with the, this for you. So that's what they had said with the expensive studio or place that I was going to work. And then as I was just living life in those two months, as they told me to, I was out with my friend Didi, who I love so much. We had this really fun summer of going out and dressing up and just having a blast, running around London and trying all these new places to us and just having so much fun meeting people, etc. We went to a pub in Chelsea. And I actually don't think I've even been back to this pub since this moment, but this was probably last summer we were out and I was out with Didi and I saw a friend Christine who I knew from Portugal at the pub so I just like ran into a Portugal friend in this London pub and she was with her guy friend so it was talking and we say hey you know what's your name and sharing and reconnecting with Christine and I introducing her friend and Didi to each other and then the guy says oh I'm a lawyer and I said oh I'm looking for a visa uh you know I'm trying to get my visa and he goes oh yeah I've helped someone with that type of visa I could help you so he ended up being the person I met out of like the most random of circumstances at the pub they had got there later than they were planning to Didi and I only went, I think, twice ever to that specific pub. I haven't even gone back to it, but it was just the meeting that gave me the connection that I needed. And you know what's something that's really funny? His name, his last name is Clear, C-L-E-A-R. <laughs> I love that because my inner voice often uses the idea of clarity or being clear um, within your inner voice and wisdom of yourself to be a sign. 
line of good things. So having Mr. Clear help me with my visa was pretty aligned. So he ended up being the he that was going to help me. And he offered his services at like 12,000 pounds less than the other company that I was previously going to work with. So obviously it was a win all around. So that was some flow, some good flow diaries there, right? Couldn't have planned it, just had to flow with the things that were happening. And then here's where it kind of seems almost in a way like things started to get choppy and rocky and not quite so flowy, but this is what actually happened. So we applied for the visa that we were looking for for my type of company twice. So, well, technically we ended up doing it three times, but the first two times the visa applications were rejected on teeny tiny technicalities like the hierarchy chart had a Lively World Co. instead of the Lively World LTD at the top of the hierarchy chart. So the CO versus LTD at the top of the chart, because that is confusing given the two branches of the company I have, uh, that they rejected the entire application. Instead of just saying, oh, can you fix this? They just rejected. So then we had to reapply. And each time we reapplied, and the other one, I forget the technicality that was like slightly, the slight error that was on that one. But either way, these tiny little details and paperwork were, um, I think about eight weeks. I think each application, they had up to eight weeks to get back to you. So we would wait two months and then find out they'd reject it and then apply and then wait another two months and then it get rejected and then apply again to the third time. So this is obviously dragging on. And these are tiny little things. They're not like you're not allowed to get the visa where they're like, this isn't perfectly done and here it's rejected. And it was so interesting because throughout the time I was renting an Airbnb and, you know, obviously making sure I was leaving the country regularly. I wasn't trying to do anything that would get me in trouble or have any issues with the visa process moving forward. So I was always being like taking trips and making sure I was never getting anywhere close to having the six month period be a concern on my tourist visa side of things, but also still trying to get this sorted, get this filed and get this moving forward, you know, in the UK. So very excited about it all. But at the same time, these long wait times just to get the rejection, fix that small error and reapply with the same paperwork, but with those slight tweaks was what was happening. By the third time, I was getting pretty hopeful because I was like, all right, we fixed the things that they told us to fix. And now I think we've got it all 100% perfect. Great. But as I was living in the Airbnb, eventually it became time to leave that Airbnb. And then I was in hotels. And that was less fun. Living in a beautiful Airbnb for many months was beautiful and I really loved it uh, in many ways, but at the same time, it wasn't perfect either. It wasn't actually my place. It wasn't actually a stress-free place to live in many different dimensions too. So I was kind of like, all right, this isn't my actual home. This isn't my actual future, but it is good enough for now until it wasn't. And it was interesting, like the flow of the water, talk about flow diaries, the water pressure or the temperature of the water, something like that, stopped flowing in the flat. I think it was like the hot water stopped working for like over a month in this beautiful flat. So it worked for a while until it stopped working. And then the people were really dropping the ball, like the service people that were supposed to fix it. So there was this really long period, like a month or so where I couldn't take a warm shower. And it was just like, I'm spending an outrageous amount of money to be in this very beautiful flat, but I am freezing every time I take a shower. So it was starting to become uncomfortable. The flow stopped kind of feeling like it was flowing literally when it came to the water and the temperature and going 
going into the actual shower. It wasn't flowing. So what was flowing, just freezing as I was flowing. And I'm not one of those cold shower type people where that's an enjoyable thing. So I was um, eventually feeling like she said, you know what, it's time. You can just go if you want and I'll you know, you don't have to keep staying there while this is getting forever unfixed. And the minute I said yes to leaving, they fixed the water. In fact, someone different came to fix it. And instead of needing this mystery part that they were supposed to get from Italy and took a month to arrive, the part finally arrived for the shower to fix it. It was the wrong size. So the person coming to install it was like, well, this thing you waited for a month for, they didn't even give you the right mixer in the first place. And when the second person came to to look at it and install this part that we figured out was no longer actually even the right part in the at all uh they said by the way here we fixed the first mixer so actually the water was functionally able to do everything perfectly we don't even know why the mixer for that month wasn't working but it's just like it was literally kicking me out of the flat. So then I was in hotels and then I was flowing and I did Ibiza and I was like two weeks there. And then I came back to London and I was in, um, I think I did a total of two or two and a half months in this hotel, which was pretty cute, but also very small, cramped and dark. And so for those reasons, small, cramped and dark, it really started to wear on me with the low level of light in the building. And as autumn was setting in, the light was just like, I was kind of always in the dark and that wasn't emotionally a very good feeling. So it was, it was okay. It was pretty, but it wasn't comfortable or very aligning feeling. So I was like, okay. And her voice, like, let's get this show on the road. This third application was, uh, I think I put it in in September, the end of September. And by the time the second application I remember was rejected, I called my friend Maria, the astrologer. And I was like, what is going on? Like what is happening? And she's like, well, a, this is the first day of Mercury retrograde. So a lot of, uh, things, you know, start to get fixed or go haywire at this kind of time. But also she pointed out, and this is just a funny aside in terms of why the flow of visas for me has always been so complicated compared to other people is she said, I have Saturn in the ninth house and Saturn in the ninth house, even though you might think astrology, maybe you love it. Maybe you think it's kind of kooky. Well, I have to tell you, she said Saturn in the ninth house means delays with foreign paperwork. And if I can tell you one thing about my experience over the last many years, I have delays with foreign paperwork, like visas. It's not like traveling visas are an issue at all. She's like, you'll always be able to travel. It's And long world travel is totally fine. It's not, that's not the astrology complication. It's just that Saturn is making <laughs> your paperwork to actually live places slower than it would be for most people. You'll have to do everything like cross every T, dot every I, just like I told you that those little teeny, tweaks on those um, earlier applications that weren't 100% perfect. That's exactly the stuff that would be in my astrology. And she said, you know, overall, you're going to have Saturn somewhere in your chart. And would you rather have Saturn be in your foreign paperwork? Or would you rather have it in your money or your relationships? And I was like, well, I guess, you know, she goes, you only have to do your foreign paperwork a few times in your lifetime. So it's not the worst place to have that placement overall, because it's going to make something slow and complicated. And if you're going to have slow and complicated visas, it's probably better than slow and complicated money or love or something else. So I was like, okay, fair enough. But still, this is really impacting my life right now. So as I was in the hotel, I did start to slowly uh, think about and kind of 
I was trying to look at flats in alignment with the visa. I did not want to go through what I experienced in Australia, where I was too innocent and naive. And I got an apartment right away, started decorating it right away as I was getting my visa agent process moving forward, only to have a visa agent at that time who messed up my visa outrageously, didn't tell me that he got it rejected and he only did like 25% of was actually required. And he ended up getting disbarred because he messed up many people, not just mine. He was kind of, they always say there are these people out there that can take your money when they do visa stuff. And the kind of, be, I want to say kind of con artist and so forth. I wouldn't say he was a con artist. I think he probably had a really, I don't know, gambling addiction, opiate addiction. Who knows? He would go silent for weeks at a time. Oh, it was so hyper stressful working with this person. And he actually, you know, almost got me unlawfully like stayed in the country because he didn't tell me once the application was rejected that he had, I had six weeks to leave the country because he did such a crappy job on the application. And he didn't tell me till the day that I was supposed to leave or I would be unlawful. So I had six weeks to leave normally, like a normal human, but he didn't tell me until Friday at 5 p.m. And I was in a sauna at the time. And he's like, don't be mad, but I've just found out that <laughs> you have to leave by midnight tonight or you'll be unlawful in the country. In Australia, I, had, I was like, at 5 p.m. on a Friday, leaving this country that's so far from all other countries in the world to go, hey, you have till midnight. Otherwise, you know, and then he lied about the the email said six weeks beforehand. So it was obviously he was just full of full of many lies. Let's just say that. So I had gone through that experience and then thankfully had manifested. I think my intuition was definitely running through me without me knowing consciously. I had decided to finally give up on this guy after many months of frustration, found a second agent who saved the day and helped extend my visa. So I was never unlawful in Australia. But that night was probably one of the most stressful nights of my entire life and experience because of that man. So the last thing I wanted to do was have to get a flat, get a bunch of furniture, and then give it away to someone on the podcast again, like I did with Danielle. You know what? I didn't want to have to go through that kind of process. I didn't want the flat to precede the visa while I was in London. I wanted the visa first and the flat second. At the same time, I've been living for a lot of the year in Airbnbs and then hotels, and especially the hotel was just not very aligning to be in. So I was starting to get pretty uncomfortable after two and a half months, as, as a lot of people would living in a hotel. And just, you know, it's just not as comfortable as being in a space of your own or even just an Airbnb that has a full kitchen. It just kind of has that feeling of hominess to it. So I slowly was looking on the billboards, on the little letting agencies. There's so many real estate offices all around this area. So I would just slowly start looking. And of course, I've spent a lot of time in London, so I knew which areas I wanted to be in. I wanted to be basically anywhere I was walking distance to Hyde Park, which is my favorite thing about the entire city. And I just love walking in nature and then being able to walk to restaurants and shopping and anything I really want to do. There's so many different neighborhoods that I love all around the perimeter of Hyde Park specifically. So as long as I'm close enough to walk to Hyde Park easily, then I'm just in my happy 
happy, happy place. And I knew from staying for many years with my friend Didi and other friends in the city and just many Airbnbs since 2016, I knew that my preference of the favorite spot around the park to walk into the park and be able to get to grocery stores and everything else that I like would be Kensington. So that was definitely the area that I was more drawn to. I do like Chelsea and I do like Notting Hill, but I like more visiting those locations than actually being in them. So as far as living in them, I've done Airbnbs in both, but have a preference if I had to pick of just being in Kensington and just having that little south uh, west corner of the park to be my entry point into it is just my favorite place in the entire city and one of my favorite places in the world. So I was looking for that general area and slowly just peeking on the windows and see what they were posting. And then also I started to eventually, as Didi would recommend, because she's lived here for 20 years herself and has lived in many places in the area. She's like, you need to look at Rightmove, which is an app kind of like the American Zillow. I don't know if there's other American versions of this, but you know, it's Rightmove is the name of this app that is the go-to place for property listings for the UK. So I start downloading the app and just looking at things and getting a sense of the prices and the locations and also learning from Didi what to look for. For example, south facing is such a thing I've never thought about in my entire life, but because of the light in London and the way that the light is in the summer and, and then even in the winter, south facing has a lot of like value to it in this country. And I've never heard about it anywhere else, but they love a south facing place. So even Didi always requires that to be as a part of when she's looking for her future places, her criteria always include South facing. So I started to look at these little details. I just kind of understand like, what does that mean? And all those types of details you just want to know and just kind of educate yourself on. So as I'm waiting for the visa to keep moving forward, the third application I'm starting to feel better about because I'm like, okay, we've got, we caught the early mistakes. Fair enough. But now hopefully we'll, the third time will be the charm. And we started to get requests, which was really good news from the visa agents in the third application for extra paperwork that wasn't required per se, but they were just asking for other things. So we're, they, we were just giving them the papers they were asking for. They asked us for a few different times. like I think twice they asked for different things. So I thought, okay, we're finally moving forward. They're not rejecting it on the technicality. They're actually asking for further information so that we can move forward. And around that spot and time, I remember asking my inner voice out of the hotel life situation and the frustration around that in my mind, my inner voice said this. And I said, why is this taking so long? What is going on? And here's what my inner voice had to say. Have you found a spot you wanted to live in so far? Of all the places you've seen on all those billboards and all the right moves, as I wasn't like obsessively looking because I didn't want to fall in love with the place months before my visa was ready and then get that before the visa. So I didn't you know, totally obsessed, but I can tell you that by inner voice saying, have you seen a spot you wanted to live in so far? I hadn't seen anything close to what I actually wanted. I had a very clear vision of the elements that were important to me, not just like Didi said, South facing, but you know, I wanted a balcony on the first floor and I wanted to be near the park and I wanted to have a quiet street and I wanted to not hear a bunch of sirens like I did in my old Airbnb. I knew that I wanted to have a beautiful closet set up. I knew that I wanted a bathroom and a kitchen that looked nice, which in some places in London, it's sometimes those places that have the balconies and the first floor settings and the and the balcony doors, which are so beautiful in these historic buildings, don't always have very modern bathrooms or kitchens. And so that was something that I was also looking for. Nothing I'd seen was either in my price range or in the 
condition of all the details I was wanting. So my advice was saying, look, if you got your visa, <laughs> you'd be immediately launching into finding your apartment. But your apartment's what you really want more than you want the visa. And that's true. Even though I wanted the visa for the comfort factor of not having the Australia thing happen again, I wanted the visa first so that I didn't end up having to leave it all behind the way I did before. But ultimately, what I really, really wanted was a flat. What I really, really wanted was a home. What I really, really wanted was a place to be where I wasn't living out of a suitcase anymore after this point. It was like a year and a half of, again, being in a suitcase after Portugal. And I'd done five years of that before Portugal. So I've lived a lot of years in suitcases and I don't love that way of living. It's it's very restrictive in terms of having different options for clothing, etc. So as I was there, my inner voice just said, look, you haven't found the place yet. So if you had that visa, you'd be finding whatever place immediately just because you wanted a flat. I wouldn't have had the self-restraint from a year and a half of being in a suitcase to say, okay, I get the visa and I'm going to stay another two months until I find the perfect flat. I was so desperate in my mind for the hominess of having a home. I would have settled for the best place I could find at the time when it came to the flat. That's what my inner voice was saying. And so it was saying, that's why the visa process hasn't moved forward is because if it did, you'd settle on the best okay place that you could find. And that would not be what you actually want in the first place. So that was interesting and insightful. Again, my mind wouldn't have expected it, but that was seeming to be what my flow uh, and all of the many delays that were happening seemed to be about according to my inner voice. So I keep waiting and I'm excited now because the visa agents are actually engaging with us. We're sending them paperwork back and forth and at one point, I did start, like I said, because I thought this was all good signs. So I was like looking into the real estate as well, getting a little bit more actively active about it, talking to real estate agents and letting agents and so forth, and you know, starting to make those relationships so that once the visa was in a more stable place, I just launch into getting a flat and I'd hopefully like flow into that happening kind of simultaneously. So one day I'm at Didi's house and we're having dinner and afterwards she asked me so have you seen any flats that you've liked lately and I showed her a listing I found I think that day or the day before and she looked at it and like I said she has a very good criteria of things that she looks for so she I liked the look of it and I liked the location of it those are things were easy for me to determine but she just knew more things than I even knew to look for and to keep in mind when looking at the listing so she was looking at the listing I found and she's like yeah check 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 she kept pointing out what was good about it. And she's like, you should call them. That place is going to go really fast. And I was like, okay. So it's one of the only places that I actually was excited about seeing anyways. And I thought, even if it's just a research mission, this will be interesting to go through this process. So I started calling the letting agency for this property and they kept kind of saying, okay, she'll call you back. She'll get back to you. I said, I want to see, I want to walk through it whenever it's possible. I even like walked into the uh, the place a few hours later because I just hadn't heard back. And I think about two days went by where they kind of kept putting me off about it. And I was like, I wonder what's happening with this property. And it turns out that the 
they were kind of hemming and hawing on the rental side of things, whether or not the tenants were gonna stay in the flat themselves. Even though they posted it, the tenants themselves were like kind of being wishy-washy about whether they were going to continue to rent it or not. So it was listed, but they weren't really showing the place because they needed the tenants to allow them to come do the walkthroughs and they weren't getting that permission because the tenants were kind of deciding whether or not they were gonna stay. So all of this is happening and I was just calling and calling and I started to make friends with this lady named Martina who was the one that was supposed to show me the property. So one of the times that I call, or maybe she called me, I forget exactly who called who, but within a day or two of this all unfolding, she says, you know, I'm still excited about that specific property because it has very specific qualities that Didi and I both think are really good. But she says, you know, I know what you're looking for generally because of the properties of this place. I just had a new listing show up on my desk like just a few minutes ago. If you can come over in 30 minutes, I can show you this place. And it has all the details that you like of the other place, but I can show you it's just brand new. It's not even on the, the a system. I don't even have photos for it yet, but if you can come, I will walk you through it. So I was at that time supposed to have a date in King's Cross with somebody in the area of King's Cross, and that's exactly one half hour away from the area where this property was at that she wanted to show me. And so I was like, okay, yes, I can make it. I can make it in a half hour. So I messaged the guy I'm supposed to have the date with in King's Cross, and I say, hey, I know this is so random, but this property I've I'm supposed to see is just come up on the market and she needs to show me now. Is there any way we can do our date in Notting Hill instead of King's Cross? And he was like, yeah, 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 no worries. He was still at work. So he wasn't even on his way over at all or anything. But we ended up meeting in Notting Hill. And then I ended up taking the train right from King's Cross, took this train station, went straight to the stop that was near the apartment or the flat that she wanted to show me. I did the walkthrough with her and I really loved it. It had such a nice little feeling to it. The street was adorable and quiet, and the property definitely needed some cleaning and some paint and some basic adjustments, but the kitchen was nice. The bathroom was perfect. The bathroom had huge medicine cabinets that were three giant ones, like a pantry for a medicine cabinet. And that's one of my things I really wanted because I have so much makeup and toiletries that, that that's like a big check mark for me. It also had a filter in the water for the shower so that you can filter for your hair when you're showering. That was a big check for me. It was wall to wall. It's faux marble. It's not real marble, but I have a thing for marble bathrooms. So that was a check for me. The the kitchen was big and completely renovated recently. There was high ceilings, first floor, balcony, all the things basically. So I was like, oh my gosh, I really love it. And at that point I was doing that back and forth with the visa agent. So I thought, okay, this is looking good. So I end up saying, yeah, I want to put an offer in. <laughs> given that I have a six month break clause on it because I don't have my visa yet. So she calls me the next day and says, there's two by the morning after. So I see this at like 6 p.m. And by the morning after, she has two other people that have also apparently walked through it by like 10 a.m. the next day, also wanting to put offers on it. So she goes, you need, you have till noon to get your best offer into me. Um, otherwise, you know, it's basically a bidding situation at this point. Now, that's how good it was because they didn't even go to posting it on the website. They just showed three people and all three people wanted it. So I can only imagine if they actually posted it, what would have happened, but I just did what I did with the place in Ann Arbor. So the Ann Arbor property that my husband and I bought at the time in 20, I guess, 14 or 2015, 
We had 18 other people bidding on that property and we got that place. And I just, it's 1108 as I say this. So I see like almost 18, like one and then one zero eight. Yeah. There's 18 other offers on the other property. And I learned from that real estate agent that helped us get that flat or sorry, the house at the time, what to do. And I just did the same basic effect to this one also and got it. So if you're curious, you basically just offer over to what you actually are willing and comfortable to spend, and then just make it as easy with as few restrictions and constraints as possible. And that was what I did. I offered over what they were asking for um, per month. And then the only kind of back and forth I had with the agent was I wanted to do a six month break clause, given the fact that I still hadn't had the formal approval. I was still just in the paperwork passing process of the visa. So I wanted to put a six month break clause, but obviously many people that are landlords want to have a 12 month break clause. So you would live in, you kind of have a longer term lease, but you have up until a year before you'd actually um, be able to break it without paying any extra penalties. And it makes sense. I mean, that's what the other people were probably offering a 12 month break clause, but I just felt hesitant to do it because I was like, well, what if the visa doesn't work out? I don't wanna be in my Australia situation again. So I was a bit reluctant to go into a 12 month break clause, but she said, you know, just, you can always just break the lease if you needed to, you'll just have to pay more money if you need to. So I just realized, yeah, what was I super nervous about being in Australia again? It was really what I was nervous about, but I was like, okay, it's money. It's money. I can make more money. That is something that can be fixable. It's not like a huge problem. So on real faith, <laughs> my inner voice didn't have any problem with me getting the flat. So I was like, okay, it's fine. 12 month break clause. So I do it and I put that offer in and I actually wasn't the original person they picked. They picked some other person, but then that other person didn't put the deposit down fast enough. So they handed it over to me instead. And so I got it anyway. So it was amazing. I was so excited. And because of the timing of it all, the owners were going to repaint the flat because it definitely needed it from the last people that were living in it. It's 11, 11, as they say this. So I got to go and I was like, oh, this is where they're going to get the paint done. Do you mind if I pick the color of paint? Because they're about to have it done in the next few days. I was like, can I pick it? And they said, sure, no problem. So I went to the store. I picked my favorite paint color that I thought was the warm white that would look great with the details and molding. And it is perfect. They did such a beautiful job. They cleaned the carpets. And the more I got into actually renting it, the more I found found out the timing of things. So this property was purchased by the owners weeks before I got to see it. So they actually hadn't formally even finished the sale process as they switched it to a rental. So the owner was still finalizing the documentation and just basically doing the very final stages of his purchase as I was coming in to walk through and put my offer in and then to rent it from him. So the minute that the property was actually officially in his ownership, he'd already secured me as the leasing person, as the letting person. And basically what all of this means is that the absolute second that it was in his possession, he got it painted and did the curtains and took it down the curtains like I asked and cleaned the carpets and then handed me the keys. So I, as my inner voice had said earlier, have you seen a place that you actually want? Well, no, I haven't actually seen a place I actually want. Well, guess what? This place was not 
ready or possible to be mine until literally the day that I moved in. There was no way it could have been done sooner because it was actually in ownership of a different person that I don't know if they were living in it or renting it or what the case was beforehand, but it was switching owners and the owner needed to actually do the purchasing on the you know, on the purchase side of things. This was not a property that originally would have been a rental that I could have found until the owner decided to buy it and then make it a rental for me to rent. So this is amazing. I just feel like as as soon as the property that I wanted to be in was ready, I immediately had zero issues or negative flow, you could say, or, or obstructions or resistance to getting the flat. But then I had to live with the fact that, oh my gosh, here I am. I've got my flat before the visa. I ended up being in a situation that of course felt a little bit like the Australia thing. So I started to wait for the paper passing of the visa stuff to continue. And the last thing they asked me for was audited accounts. Now, audited accounts in America is like, I only knew it as like audited by the IRS. So if you did something wrong or sketchy, they might audit you to make sure that you did everything correctly. But in the UK, audited accounts, or just in general, audited accounts are also just another way of saying a formalized extra thorough version of your bookkeeping. So every year I get a bookkeeper that I have to do my accounts, but I don't have them formally audited, which takes a lot more money and time and accountants to work on. So they asked for that. Now, this is something that, you know, obviously publicly traded companies and maybe highly regulated companies have to do. And I think it's much more common to happen in the EU and the UK, but it's not in America for a small business very common unless again, like the IRS is doing the audit itself. There's no reason for someone in my small business state to need audited accounts and I've never needed them before, but they asked for it. And what was interesting in the lawyers goes, this is interesting because there's no actual, there's one document in my type of visa that says audited or unaudited accounts, please show a record of your audited or unaudited accounts. And another document said, show your audited accounts. So it was kind of like, depending on which paper you were looking at in the visa paperwork, it wasn't even consistent within itself, but they asked for this and we just said, okay, well, we actually don't have audited accounts because of the size of my company and the scale. Obviously I could have paid to have it done, but it would have taken months to complete just so that they could have it, even though one other side didn't say it. And they didn't say anything back. They said, you have a week to get back to us uh, with these audited accounts. And so we reply back and we give them the unaudited, but the formal and honest accounts that my bookkeeper had done for last year. And we waited and waited and the week went by and I just started to get crazy stressed out because I was worried that they were going to reject it again because it was like one of those things that we didn't do perfectly right or something, uh, which was open to interpretation based on whichever document you were looking at anyways. But we didn't hear anything basically from November until January 3rd. So in that period of time, I end up manifesting the flat on October 20th. And then I'm waiting on silence and crickets with these visa agents and just terrified of like, what is going to happen? Am I going to end up having to leave like in Australia again? Oh my goodness. And I was obviously moving into an unfurnished apartment. So I needed to just like Australia, buy a mattress, buy a bed, buy a sofa, all from scratch, which I love doing, but I didn't want to have to be again putting it all into storage and then sitting in a suitcase while I figure out what to do with it all later on. So I was super stressed and eventually I started to have these back pains and was working on the back 
tweaking pain with my Pilates instructor in a Pilates session. And then as we were working on it, we really messed it up. We went from a three or four out of 10 in the offness scale to an eight or nine out of 10, like in total pain. So I ended up going, oh my gosh, I need help. Who can I go to to get this eight or nine out of 10 pain fixed? And she said, you know, there's this guy uh, that's really good. My clients have really liked. He's at this place called Club Health in Notting Hill. I recommend that you go to him see if he helps you. And so I go to him. It was amazing. If you ever have any back pain and you're in London and you have something you really want to get fixed, I cannot recommend him enough. It is a beautiful place called Club Health in Notting Hill. And he did fix it. And as he was fixing it, he was twisting the back of the muscle on my spine. And it was so painful. I was biting into my hand. It was like, oh my God, this is horrible. And his one comment he said in the middle of doing it was, these are emotions. Now, he's like, my muscle is twisted around my spine in this really awkward way. And that's what he was working on, on twisting. But I don't know what compelled him exactly to say that, but he was a pretty masterful and amazing uh, person. Kind of like me with the inner voice. He's like that with the body. He's just really, really good and really, really intuitive. And I don't think he's really learned. I'm sure he's taken a lot of training in this lifetime, but I think this is mostly a series of soul lifetimes that have given him the level of gift that he has. And he said, these are emotions. And I was like, well, I could tell this whole situation was playing out exactly in the time, the stress of not hearing back and not knowing if the unaudited accounts was going to be a rejectionable, another delay to the visa process continuing situation or not was what was really in my mind while I still had the flat. And so I was totally having to bean back constantly in this period of weeks, the feelings of the stress and the frustration and the fear of the first agent in Australia and the situation that unfolded on that Friday and all of the emotions of having to pack everything up and put it into the storage. I'd obviously went through that experience, but those emotions hadn't fully left my system and they were there and they were triggerable by this situation. Had I not had the previous situation, I would not have been in nearly as much physical or emotional beanbag pain as I was. I wouldn't have messed up my back, I'm sure, nearly as much, but that was what was coming out. So as he worked on that physical issues in the tissues, emotion in the physical warping around my spine, after he fixed that in two sessions with me, and I was doing a ton of inner voicing and beanbagging on Australia and all of the emotions that came up that felt like this situation itself. I started to just chill out and calm down and just accepted that I don't know what's going to happen. And I finally just surrendered to, well, we're just going to have to find out. It's going to be whatever it's going to be. So I just kind of finally chillaxed and the emotion and my, like the twist in my spine is not nearly anything like it was. And the kind of surrenderedness. I was like, well, something will happen. I'll either leave or I wrote down, as I told you guys in the friendly unknown, I did the 20 things that could have happened instead that I'd actually be happy about in case the visa didn't work out. I just made up some random fantastical potentials that kind of opened my mind to not having to be so attached to one way or the other on it. And I just started to feel better. So as I started to feel better, I started to decorate, obviously. Um, it'll be fun to talk more about that process. If you guys are curious, to have questions on it. Um, I ultimately, on the general picture of things, obviously I love decorating. It's my favorite thing on this planet. So I've just already had a vision of what I'd like the place to look like in so many ways. And there's so many phases yet to come in terms of what I want to do for it. But I also just 
as I actually implemented those things that I have basically a pretty finished, finalized picture in my head from the moment I moved in. I already kind of had a clear idea of what it ultimately, for the most part, I would want it to look like. And there's a lot of changes. Like I wanna see if the landlord will let me invest in the property and do some changes to the kitchen to make it more stunning and beautiful in many ways. And just, I just got some great ideas. Um, But when it comes to implementing those ideas, I've truly been living in the flow. Of course, the first flow is to get a mattress so that I wasn't sleeping on the floor and get a bed and get the sofa and then I get the table and chairs. So I ordered those basics, but then it kind of hit this point where I just was in chill mode where I know what kind of nightstands, generally speaking, and I know the idea of the coffee table, generally speaking, that I want, but I have just been living on cardboard boxes for those for the meantime. So I did get like a first phase done, but I just kind of then stalled through the holidays and enjoyed my holidays and just did other things with my time and energy and still knowing what I wanted to ultimately do. And now that I'm back and got, by the way, the approval letter for the visa happened on January 3rd, as you might've heard from the Friendly Unknown series. So January 3rd was when I got the approval, which was super exciting. So after months and months of silence, And even trying to follow up and still getting silence, I got an approval letter January 3rd. Super exciting, you guys, if you've listened to the Friendly Unknown, now all of the unknowns that have flowed for me to go from that to going to New York, to getting the visa fingerprints, to getting it the passport back. I got to flow into seeing my dad and his critical condition at the same time, which obviously happened on January 4th. So the flow of all of this ultimately basically gave me my apartment four months before I I got the visa ending up being in my hands. It's 1122 as I say this. Four months before, my mind never, ever, ever would have wanted to get the flat four months ahead and then run the risk of the visa stuff not working out. But I have to say, as my inner voice said, the home was always my most important thing. The visa was just a vehicle to having that home in a good and, you know, following all the rules kind of way. So I, you know, don't (laughs) want to make any countries. I just want to like live in places. It's just fun to be living in different locations. So anyways, not trying to do anything crazy or stressful or um, make all of these delays that Saturn in the ninth house likes to cause for my situation. But my flat did happen as soon as it was physically possible to be rentable, I was in it. And then the visa, which was a secondary element to my inner voice, flowed in an alignment that gave me a few different things. One, it gave me the ability to see my dad on the exact same trip while he was in this mental and physical condition that's so critical. And also it gave me the extension of the visa. The visa I have is only for 12 months and then it works for another 12 months. So it's a shorter term visa said, then, you know, it's not giving me a passport anytime soon. It's just for 12 months and then just for an extended 12 months. And then I can pivot to a different type of visa that will give me three years and then further to passport. So I've got a few years in me to go forward with this, but This specific visa being four months after that earlier point gives me four more months to be on this visa. So it's kind of like now that it's ticking off and it also lined up to be February 11th as it started, um, which is 1-1, which is really cute. And it's basically essentially a year after I came to London to get the visa. I've got it. But this gives me the year that the time starts now. How cool is that? I've already been in the flat for four months, but the time on the visa part starts now. So now I get to live and run with this time frame going and extending further basically into the future. So it gives me more of a runway to use and enjoy it while I go forward. So that is my entire 
process of the flow diaries of it. Obviously, you can see the visa stuff itself was slow and delayed and pedantic and many things. But at the same time, it ultimately was slow and delayed in a way that aligned to me getting this adorable flat that I love so much and has served me so well. I'm so happy to be living where I'm at. Even as I've been here, it's just been such a joy. It's so quiet. It's so peaceful. It just feels so happy to be here. I'm just excited to move into the phase two and three of decorating and really do these final touches. I've got paintings and mirrors on the ground. <laughs> I've got a painting coming. Oh, this is fun. This is, a, I'll end on this thing. So the last, well, it's not the last thing, but what I would want to say about this whole thing is back in 2018 or 2019, when I ended up leaving Australia, it must have been, I think, either that time or a time after that. Maybe I came back after I'd left my flat in Australia. I met this artist, or I saw her Instagram. I forget exactly how I came across her work, but I just think there's some amazing female artists in Australia. My favorite artists are usually female in Australia. I don't know what it is. They just have the same design ethos and and energy, I think, to me. But I saw her work and I knew I'd one day want to have a painting of hers in my flat. And for some reason at that point, I must have had, yeah, the idea of being in London because I think the Australia stuff didn't work out. I didn't have any idea or any inclination to move to Detroit. So I don't think I even knew about that yet. I think I was going to, in the second time to move to London time, I was thinking about this to be one of the pieces that would go in my flat. And I ended up having coffee with the uh, artist herself. She doesn't even remember, but it was like back in 2018, 2019, something a long time ago, I said, I would love to have a piece of your work one day when I have a flat. And lo and behold, here we are. I am getting a piece of her art sent over. It is so beautiful. It feels so good. I'd already had a vision of having one of her pieces in my space, but then I just, as a visa was approved, wanted to actually reach out to her to find her archive or current articles that she had as available in her catalog for what I could purchase. And one of them called Light Reflected was the exact piece that was right for me. So very excited to have that coming over soon to go on top of the fireplace. And yeah, just excited to see it all come to life to live my London dreams. Thank you so much for listening. May something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>